In fact, today we're continuing in our two-part series on prayology that we do a prayer series every year at the beginning of the year because we go right into our prayer and fasting time and we want to make sure we understand not just what we're praying, but who we're praying to, why we're praying. In the study of prayer, there's no greater prayer than Jesus' prayer. But before we even get to the scripture, Pastor G did a great job last week in opening it up and seeing the vertical to God first. We're gonna talk about that vertical and horizontal, but I've just been struck at how gracious our God is to reveal himself. You know, you can't get to know someone unless they reveal yourself, themselves to you. Or you reveal yourself to them. That's why sometimes it, it can be hard in a church service. You come and you, and you, you worship, and you, but, but then, then you go out because, you know, I mean, you gotta get to Lupe Tortilla or you gotta get, you know, Chick-fil-A's clothes. So what are you gonna do? No God's chicken. So you, you gotta get somewhere and, and, and we don't have the time to reveal ourselves to others to get to know each other very well. Which is why we have groups and other opportunities and just the ministry of presence to show up. And the more we get to know you, more layers are peeled back because trust is developed. The more we get to know you and you reveal, oh, okay, my family's like this or I grew up like this or I have this issue. I have this sin that as I bring it to the light and it's revealed, God exposes it and doesn't shame us, but he heals us because he's good. And we get to know God a little bit more as we open ourselves up, but... What we do most of the time in our life is do this because we can't reveal ourselves, especially guys, our weaknesses. And sometimes even church has taught us that, like don't open up, people won't accept you and love you. And that's not the revelation of God. That's not who God is. I love in the scripture, the Lord's Prayer, the disciples, as we're gonna read in a moment, ask Jesus, teach us to pray. And the reason why they asked that is because it says they saw him praying. They saw an intimacy with God that astonished them. They haven't seen it in their other leaders and other Pharisees and other people that even had the Torah memorized, the scripture memorized. There was a level of intimacy that Jesus had that was different, whereas the disciple says, the disciple said, there's, there's something about your relationship. Not just your religious bullet points, but your relationship that just seems intimate, that seems right, the way you pray, the way you talk, the way, of course, you do things. We know it comes from God. Teach us to pray. Reveal God to us. Reveal how you relate to God. And Jesus, as we see in Scripture, didn't come on the scene and just say, hey, do these things. He came on the scene as God himself. God didn't just send a prophet or deliver anymore. He sent himself to say, I'm gonna reveal and show you what I really look like, how I really act in might, in care, in empathy, compassion, and action. I'm gonna show you who I really am. You know, I, I grew up, I was born in the 19th century, <laughs> I could say that. I grew up loving basketball, and uh, my favorite player, of course, was Michael Jordan. 
And not because he was the GOAT at the time, he wasn't quite the GOAT when I was watching him, but watching him play, it was like amazing. And, and all you saw was how he played and what he did. And so when things like The Last Dance came out and we revealed a little bit more about him, his mentality, right, like a Kobe Mamba, like that guy is on it. The, the work ethic, you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm learning more about how he got to that point and respect has grown. Maybe for some of you, that doesn't happen as things are revealed, respect isn't grown. But I remember I wanted to be like, be like Mike, like Mike. And I could not be like, be like Mike. Even today, gee, I have dreams, a perpetual dream, not kidding. I'm playing basketball and I jump. And you guys know I'm five foot nothing. I jump <laughs> and I just keep going up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Ah, and I dunk it. And then I wake up and I go, never. <laughs> Ever. Know your calling, know your calling, but I wanted to be like Mike so bad. I, I wanted the Jordans. Oh my gosh, I wanted the Jordans. I wanted them so bad. My parents were too cheap, way too cheap. They were young, they were kids having kids. If you know my story, my mom was 17 when she had me, 15 when she had my sister. I have, have a story. They didn't have any money, right? We go to pay less. You know, parents just don't understand the plight that we have as kids, right? Parents just don't understand. I remember one year my mom took me school shopping. It was me, my brother, my mom, oh, my pop. My little sister, we all hopped in the car. We headed downtown to the gallery mall. Y'all know DJ Jesse Jess and the Fresh Prince? My mom started bugging with the clothes she chose. I didn't say anything at first. I just turned to my nose, right? She said, what's wrong? This shirt costs $20. I said, mom, the shirt is plaid with a butterfly collar. It's crazy the stuff that you remember. Because of association, because you see someone and you want them to reveal themselves more and more to you. But you can't know someone unless they open themselves up. Jesus came into the world, showed us the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How I act, how I preach, how I heal, how I'm not afraid to get in people's mess. Because true love isn't always just, hey, it's okay. True love sometimes confronts. Mostly he confronted the religious leaders because he was frustrated at how they were depicting God, how they were revealing what God was like. Because you can say all day, do these things, and I know the scripture, but then people are looking at you and saying, are you like God? If you believe that, then I'm looking at you, and I'm seeing God, but I don't like that kind of God. And the disciples see Jesus, who knows the Father, who's intimate with the Father, who spends time with the Father, says, teach us to pray. Let's look at the scriptures today, and I want to start just about four scriptures behind the Lord's Prayer in the book of Luke, and we'll get back to it at the end. It says this, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me? to serve alone, tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, 
which will not be taken away from her. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now that might not be the Lord's prayer that you're familiar with. Matthew has one that is more popular, it's almost poetic, and God is good in giving us a model prayer, not a mantra just to say, as if it has power just in the mantra, in the many words, but a model of prayer and coming to the Father, and this is how Matthew depicted it. In this manner, therefore, pray. Say this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have a lot of Catholics in the room, former Catholics. Again, this is not a mantra, just to say, but it is powerful when you understand and pull back the layers of what Jesus is trying to teach us in his relationship and intimacy with the Father when asked, teach us to pray. As Pastor G did such a great job, there's two parts of, of this prayer. You've got the vertical and you've got the horizontal. You've got the let's first start with God. If I'm gonna teach you how to pray, Jesus starts with the our Father. It's us collectively, but we don't just call him God, we call him Father. In fact, many times, most of the time, when you read the Gospels and you see Jesus praying, he uses the word Father, Father, Father. And he wanted to let them know when you pray, we pray collectively, this is our Father, not just my Father. I'm God's special son. I'm the prophet. I'm the bishop pastor. You know how many phone calls I get? Can I preach at your church? I'm bishop pastor, evangelist, apostle, prophet, teacher of this. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, but uh, it's not just my God. It's not just my thing. It's, it's our, and that collection already helps us understand to approach him as brothers and sisters, a family to our father in heaven, our true father. You know, I didn't get hugged enough as a kid by my father. And my father could never be the father I need him to be, but I don't hold that against him anymore because I know my true father. And it says, hallowed be your name, our father in his name. Name is something really powerful as you learned last week. The name of somebody denotes who they are what they do, their ability. And this word, hallowed be thy name, it's may your name be kept holy because it's been drugged through the dirt. I imagine Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and Sadducees and those who are supposed to depict this father and show this relationship and help everybody. And he's going, may his name be kept holy because you have not made it holy. In fact, I wore my Matrix shirt today because such a great 
show. And I remember a couple years ago when they came out with Matrix Resurrection last year. And I was so hopeful they were going to renew from Matrix 2 and 3. And they were going to make this this great movie holy again. And restore the name of the Matrix and Neo and Trinity. Ah, You getting it? And it came out and it did not restore did not hallowed, did not make it holy. And Jesus is looking on a people that don't know the Father, that don't know God. And he say, the only God they know is the one they see in you. May that God, his name be holy, set apart, beautifully different. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This idea of kingdom is God's domain where he is king. It's the idea of like, if you see professional athletes, you have a coach, they get fired, you get a new coach, and he brings in, usually have to fire all the old coaches and administration, and they bring in a new administration to say, this is how we're going to do things. Or in, in our republic, you bring a new president, and he brings in his new administration. This is a new kingdom, a new domain, a new rule that is supposed to come and invade earth. We have the wrong idea typically of this because we've been taught that there's earth and God made earth and God has heaven and these are different and, and earth was corrupted and so when we die, we go over to this place called heaven and that's actually not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that earth and heaven were together, were overlapped and it got separated through sin but Jesus came and he's not coming to just send us to the by and by. He's coming to invade the earth again. God came down and the first thing Jesus said is the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom is here. The king and his domain is here and I'm invading earth. And that's what he calls us to do, to push back the darkness, not just to succumb to it. And not just to get a get out of jail free card, but to watch heaven invade earth. And this is the prayer, your kingdom come. Use me as I'm walking into my office. I'm praying for my staff. I'm praying for my boss or I'm praying for my peers. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my university, my school. I'm praying for my, my, my professors. I'm praying, why? Because I'm walking on the scene in authority because I'm bringing the kingdom of God because I know I'm a child of God. This is a very different Christianity than what a lot of people believe, but this is what Jesus says. Pray like this. Talk to God, our Father. Pray his kingdom come. His will be done. Not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're bringing it in. And when God first comes into your life, that's what he does. Like these testimonies, God just gave me peace. He's he's, starting to invade my life. But I know not all of us have heaven completely invaded in our life yet. And that's the process of God that he does throughout our whole life. As he's like, give me that. Give me that. Yeah, give me that. And he invades our whole life so that we can be the children of God. And people can say, there's something different about how you pray. Teach me to pray. Well, my leader, ruler, God, prays like this. That's the vertical. But then we get to the the horizontal. Because Jesus says the greatest commandment is this, love God, love people. And then he says, pray like this. Pray that you'll love God, make him holy, preserve, 
His will be done. His kingdom come. And now, practically, horizontally, how do we love? How do we pray for one another? And he starts three things. Bread, forgiveness, deliverance. Give us this day our daily bread. I love this idea. And Jesus always does this. Like he'll use a phrase that they would have known Because the idea of bread, can you think of anywhere in scripture where there was bread that was needed daily to sustain the people? The book of Exodus. And the bread was called manna or mana, which means what? What is it? They didn't know what it was. But the people of Israel crying out, we're hungry, we're starving, we left Egypt and look at all the stuff we had and they started to tilt their head back and we long for those days and they forget the slavery Because it's actually easy for God to set you free. It's hard for him to help you to live free. As you're walking in that freedom, God, we don't have anything. And he provides manna. He provides bread for them. Also, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's this prayer of, I need provision for myself, physically, but also, Jesus, I need you every day. You get old of hearing the gospel, you've allowed it to atrophy in your soul. He says, give us this day. I remember me and my wife first got married. I was 20 years old. She was 21. We were young. We had our baby, first baby at 23. That's why it looks so amazing with a (laughs) 19-year-old. Well, maybe. Uh, and I remember we had $800 in our bank account when we got married. All you need is love. <laughs> and we moved away from our college town. We moved away to Oklahoma. And I remember the, the couple that did our premarital counseling were really good friends with us. And they knew we were struggling. We were trying to make ends meet. Our goal was to save a lot of money. We were going to go um, to another country to serve and learn about God and that was the plan, and you know, God has his plans, and uh, we were struggling at one point. I remember we opened the cupboard, and we were trying to get a towel, and we found a check for $500 that that couple left us, and it was the reminder, God is the bread of life. God is my provider. My work is not provider. It's not my provider. My gifting is not my provider. It all originates and comes from God. And it's amazing when the people of God step into that in obedience to God and you see God as a wonderful provider. Give us this day our daily bread. Then he goes real hardcore because he's going, I know you need to pray for your provision and you need to make God your provider. But here's what's gonna happen. As you do that, then you're gonna be with other people and rub them wrong. You're gonna get offended because when you're in sin, you're insane, and people just act crazy. And so he says, here's how you also need to pray. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This idea of, I understand that you're able to forgive, and as you forgive, this is supposed to be a conduit, a pipe, that there's a giving and a constant receiving of this. And you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have the forgiveness of God, it is impossible, ultimately, to forgive others. 
But when you have the deposit of God and you understand God in his righteousness came and forgave me, now I have a deposit to pull out when I needed to give it to someone else. And this idea of forgiveness doesn't mean that you trust everybody. You got to understand that. He doesn't say, pray that I just trust everybody. Forgiveness is, I'm not going to hold you accountable to that way anymore, and I'm going to release you of that, so I'm not going to take vengeance. I'm going to remit that from you in the way I view you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to trust you. In fact, Jesus later comes on in Matthew 18 and says, if somebody offends you, go to them, and if they won't repent, they won't forgive you. Go grab another person, and two people go, and then if they don't, grab more people. And the idea is this. If they won't repent, you don't need to be alone with them. And again, God has built now community to help you reach out in peace to them, but you don't have to trust them to forgive them. But you do have to forgive them. Let them go. Many of us say, I I can't do it. This is probably one of the hardest things to do and to pray constantly. God, we think God can't love me because of blank. I've done this. Or God can't forgive me because of blank. As if he doesn't already know those things. Imagine if Jeff Bezos, who's worth 120 plus billion dollars, came to you tomorrow and said, I'm going to pay off all your loans. I'm going to pay off all your debt. Would your response be, uh, Jeff, bro, um, seriously, you don't really know how much debt I have, man. I mean, if you knew, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do this because uh, you really couldn't. It's just way too much. He wouldn't even feel your debt. My rough estimates, he makes $4,475,885 per hour. He can do it. Won't he do it? <laughs> the question is, will he? Will he? And right now, probably not. (laughs) But God owns everything, lacks for nothing. He not only can, but he will. He has in Christ Jesus. And it's that understanding, thank you, God, that gives me the deposit to be able to go, I release you. And Jesus says, you need to pray about this. You need to ask. And he only rebukes them if you refuse not to, not if you are at least praying and trying, that's the goal. The level of understanding of your debt and sin and the release that God has given you is the level you're able to give to someone else. He says this, not only bread, not only forgiveness, but deliverance. Here's the idea. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's the idea. If you love your father, you seek his kingdom, you want to make his name holy, you trust him for provision, you forgive those as you've received the forgiveness of God that he's cast your sins as far as the east is from the west, trouble will come. I love that Jesus is like this. He's not like a used car salesman, like, it's all going to work out. And wait, there's more, right? He is like, this is going to be tough. Why? There's an enemy There's trouble, there's Murphy's Law, whatever it is. And how many people come to the altar thinking, I'm gonna get Jesus and everything's gonna work out easy. And even in the prayer, he's like, dude, there's an enemy. And you need to pray 
for God to deliver you from that. In fact, the scripture does say that. That there's no temptation that you've gone through. First of all, that Jesus didn't go through but without sin. But then it says he will not tempt you beyond the point without making an escape and a way. But here's the deal. If you don't take that path, you could be dragged back down and heaven is no longer invading your earth. But the opposite happens. He says, pray. Things are gonna get tough. Temptation, testing comes. And I love that. That's, that's a good leader. This is not gonna be easy. And he doesn't abandon us, but he says he will be with us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he says this, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, the scripture before this, I thought it was really fascinating that God in his wisdom and Luke in his penmanship would write, right before this prayer about this woman, Mary and Martha. And we read it earlier and you have Mary who is serving Jesus. They just met Jesus. They have all these disciples with them and he's, she's serving Jesus. And while she's serving, something about Jesus, as he's revealing himself to the disciples, she stops and it says she sits at his feet. And that's a colloquialism for she becomes a disciple. You sit at the feet of a rabbi, which means you're a disciple of that, rab of that rabbi. Which is astonishing at the time because women typically were not allowed to be disciples of rabbis. And it's so beautiful as, as Martha is frustrated because she's working and she's going and she's going for the Lord. She forgot to be with the Lord. And this is so true with us so much as we're going and going and we're talking about prayer and we're, how do we pray right? But you have to actually take the time to do it. There's no better way to learn how to pray than to pray. And you have these two women, one that's working hard for the Lord. And this is what we talk to our staff about all the time. Don't be so caught up in the work of the Lord that you forget about the Lord of the work. Don't be so caught up, all I'm doing for God, that we forget to listen. Mary had to put down her pot or put down her tray to go sit at the feet. She had to stop working. Have some boundaries in her life to say, that's not my provision. I found someone who's revealing himself. I have to sit down and grow in him. Martha was doing her duty, and Mary was awed by beauty. This is the gospel, and this is the challenge. Say, so what do we do with this? You have to pray, but this is why... We encourage you this week with prayer and fasting. The takeaway is take the time. Drop the craziness. Drop the movement for this week. Take the time to come pray with people. To watch God start to invade your life and to then be a part of God invading other people's lives as we stop the work and sit at the feet of Jesus. I want to invite you to check out this video about this fast, a little bit of the why, 
and the what. Check it out. Every Nation people all over the world started 2022 with our annual week of prayer, fasting, and consecration. Our theme this year has been abiding in God's Word. I have been privileged to travel all over the world and hear reports and testimonies about how powerful it has been to focus on abiding in Christ. But I want to talk to you about 2023. Our theme for the year is miracles. Let Him be known. The purpose of miracles, yes, it's to meet needs, but it's also to let the glory and the presence and the love and the power and the majesty of God be known and experienced by people who are walking with Him and by people who are far from Him. So 2023, we will all start the year together with a week of prayer, fasting, and consecration, focusing on miracle stories in Scripture and learning how to trust and believe God, not just for trusting miracles in Scripture, but seeing miracles in our families, in our campuses, our cities, our nations, all over the world. Join us, a week of prayer, fasting, and consecration. Remember, Joshua 3.5 says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow God will do wonders. We are trusting God together for miracles in your life, your family, on our campuses, in our cities, in our nations, to the outermost corners of the world, the miracle and power of God all throughout 2023 and beyond. One thing I love about our church is we're a part of a greater movement called Every Nation in 80 countries, several hundred churches, and we all take this time around the whole globe to pray. You say, well, what do you want me to do, Chris, out of this message? Pray. Join us as we pray. In fact, we make it very explicit how we're going to do it. We've got five meetings this week. Try to make at least one of them. We've got two Zoom opportunities, especially for your parents or the parents trying to get kids down. You got some opportunity there. And then we have, starting tonight, our first one at 5 p.m. You can see all that there. And then if you're like, I don't know about fasting, I don't know how to do it, we've got the booklet. It's also on our, it'll be on our app. It'll be on our website to encourage you to pray about this year for yourself, for others, and watch God move in an amazing way. If you've never fasted, there's some reason how to do it, how to break it, and then like the plan you're gonna do. Some, of, some people are like, I can, I can fast lunch or I can do, I can do dinner. Um, and so whatever you're gonna do, we don't make that a religious thing or make it you have to do these kind of things because we want you to do what God's calling you to do uh, and according to what you need to do. However, we do do the challenge. Let's pray. We could come together and say, God, move. And we could pray like our Father, we could, like, our, like the Son to the Father, excuse me.